3: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. No guests lined up for you. We want to hear from you at 315-437-7644. A lot to get to uh, in regards certainly to, to SU basketball with a, a big win over Ohio State last night, 72-62. We'll, we'll touch on uh, some Q's football. We'll get into the basketball game in a moment. I walked in here about five minutes ago and you said to me, did you hear the news? Did you hear the news? And I, I said, "No, what are you talking about?" He's like, "Just, just wait for the update. Wait, wait for, for the, the update. I want you to be surprised." And I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out what you were talking. You had a smile on your face. You had no idea. Had what no I was idea getting what at. you're talking about. Uh, were you surprised? I am surprised. <laughs> Greg Robinson has a job in football again. It's amazing. Now I know why you had the smile on your face. Yeah,
2: he wasn't good at his last job, and he retired or got fired or both.
3: I love the quote. Things, it, it it wasn't great. Is that what Tommy said? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Things that, didn't go that, great. <laughs> that is the understatement of the century. That was fantastic. Thank you for uh, for not spoiling it for me and letting me yeah. be surprised with Tommy's update. Um, all right. So this, this basketball game last night, I, I felt like going in that it was a statement game for so many reasons. Um, you know, and we, we touched on some of those reasons yesterday, but the, the way that they played in New York... You know, Frank Howard wasn't there. They had that excuse. But did they really lose those two games simply because Frank Howard wasn't there? Or were there larger concerns? The outside shooting, the rebounding, the physicality, you know, the play of the centers. I felt like we were going to find out last night. Now that they were whole, Pascal Chuka was going to play. He's not 100%, but he was going to play. Frank Howard was back. You felt like, all right, this was a statement game in in one direction. It was either going to be a statement that alright, those two games are forgiven, and that that was the exception and not the rule, what we saw down in there in New York, and everything we talked about in the preseason is actually what this team is, or, on the flip side, the statement would be, no, they, they've got some issues. They've got some issues. Uh, Jim Bayham had never before, in fact nobody in the no team in the history of Syracuse basketball had ever lost three games in November now some of that is they didn't play a lot of games in November of way course. back in the day but Jim Bayham had never lost three games in November it had never happened in, in Syracuse basketball history um that is still the case they came out and they had some things go against them they had foul trouble they had Ohio State get off to a fast start. Um, you know some of their, their key players were, were stuck you know on the bench because of those fouls. They, they had to find a way to get it done, and they did. And, and I think we got that statement,
2: Seth, in the form of, yeah, everything we talked about in the preseason, that can be true. I agree. Um, you know, what was the thing that I, I was pounding home yesterday? In order to use the excuse at the end of the season where a better team with Frank Howard, you have to be a better team with Frank Howard. Uh, and they were last night. You know and, and and I don't know if it's because of Frank. I mean Frank fouled out. Frank I, I didn't think played a great game. I thought he was good, not great. Um you know it, it was interesting to watch because as you said uh, there were a lot of fouls. There were a lot of whistles. Uh Barama Sidibe and Pascal Chukwu played a combined one thirteen to start the game. They played a combined minute 13 seconds to start the game and then they both got yanked. I mean it, it was unbelievable to watch. And so much went wrong in the early going. So much. Uh, Ohio State came out with energy, came out making more shots than Syracuse did. Opened up what an, an eight, a seven, eight point lead. Seven point lead, like right early, away. Early in the nine first half, nine to two, and then right, 14 and, then, seven. and they kept it, and they kept it going. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, Marek Dolajai hits a couple of shots, and you're right back in the game. And and now it's tied. And I, I think that from kind of that point on. Syracuse really felt good. I I thought they played really well in the second half. I I thought that the second half was a very good half for Syracuse. Uh, They held Ohio State... to a an incredibly low shooting percentage, twenty five percent after halftime. They didn't make a field goal for seven straight minutes, and and that kind of stuff defensively is what we were seeing at the end of season at the end of the season last year. How long was the streak um, of Michigan State not making a basket? How long did did Arizona State go without making a basket? How long did TCU go without making a basket? I mean, it, it was watching every single game. Of of March last year, and knowing that at some point you were going to see flash up on the screen for CBS or TBS or whatever, at some point it was going to flash up on the screen five minutes without a made field goal, and and that's what we saw again last night. It was a, a huge defensive performance, and you know what? Syracuse got enough offense. I thought Elijah Hughes was better in the second half. I thought uh, they got more. They got into um, a better tempo, better rhythm, moving up and down the court. Uh, they sped things up a little bit more at times. Um I really liked what I saw in the second half of that game.
3: Defensively they were fantastic. And I think that we we had this illusion going into the year that they were going to win differently this year. That you know last year they were a blue collar team and you know Frank would always say you know we're going to bring our hard hats with us and and they were very much that you know that gritty blue collar team last year that had to get it done with defense. And I think we had an illusion in the preseason that well this team's going to score, you know, 80 points and and you know, yeah, they'll be good defensively, but you know, they can outscore people. Now last night they they made some shots, but I think at the at the end of the day, we saw, you know, when that game was was close, they were able to pull away, you know, in the final couple minutes, but this this team is very much a defensive-minded team. They have to be a defensive-minded team and to win on the road against a quality opponent, and Ohio State's a quality opponent. You gotta do it. I mean, with they're defense. number two in the country. <laughs> right, number two in the country. Um that was their first loss, but you know, they had gone on the road, beat Cincinnati and, and beat Creighton. This was a good win for Syracuse, and and I think you know, we saw last night that fundamentally when push comes to shove, they need to be a defensive minded team. They need to get it done on that end first, and then the other end will take care of itself. You know, if you can hold a team, you know, and last night they held Ohio State to sixty-two. But, but even so, you know, Ohio State picked up a couple of buckets late when they did. You know, they'd foul at one end and then desperation on the other end. You know, Syracuse essentially kept that game in the fifties. I mean, that was on pace to be in the fifties, and if it wasn't a six to eight to ten point spread at the end and Syracuse wasn't getting fouled that game probably would have ended up like sixty four fifty eight. Yeah. Um that I mean that's how that's how they have to win. Um well, I take that back. It's not how they have to win. I think that's that's how they, they should go about trying to win night in and night out, and then you'll have nights like last night where, you know, the ball goes through the hoop from the outside, they had eleven made threes and they scored seventy two points.
2: I think that the shooting was was the really interesting part for me because we had said through the offseason and when we talked to Jerry McNamara and Alan Griffin and and Adrian Autry and heard from Jim Beheim. Uh, you know, what What did we hear about that team? We said we heard and we had said they will be a better shooting team. They will be a better shooting team from the outside because O'Shea's shot is better. Tyus' shot is better. Frank's shot is, is, is better, or, or at least what it was. Um, and Elijah Hughes is, is a really good shooter, a knockdown shooter. So we thought, hey, they're going to be a better shooting team. And up until last night, they had shot 23%. 23%. From beyond the three point arc, three hundred
3: fiftieth in the country. That's
2: unbelievable. That that is incredibly terrible, and I don't know that everything is fixed and and voila things are just going to go at, at you know an, a, a great rate from this point out. But you shot forty six percent last night. I mean you you did you doubled your percentage in in one night, and if you can do something in between that, right? If you can shoot high thirties, low forties. You're you're going to be a really good really potent offensive team. You don't have to hit 46% of your three-pointers, but if you hit 38, like you're going to be a really good offensive team. Let me give you another stat.
3: Uh Syracuse down in New York, the two games combined 11 for 50 from three-point range last night they were 11 for 24. That gives you some idea the the yeah. difference. I mean they went from again, essentially what, about 20% to almost 50%. Yes. They were really good night. And last I know night. it was one night, but to do it against that opponent in that spot, there was a sense of urgency. To me, that's, that's an encouraging sign. It didn't feel like a fluke last night. It felt like, okay, this is the team that we thought we would see come out of the gates, and we didn't for a variety of reasons, but... Okay, that that team exists. Like that, that potential is there for the team for for this team to live up to what we thought they could be.
2: That was what I took away from last night. That's what I took away. I I looked at that game last night and said, this is the team that I thought we were going to see. A team that could easily get into the seventies. A team that will still defend you hard and lock you down defensively. Uh, That was the team that I expected to see from Syracuse this year. And and. For whatever reason, it's the first time that I feel like we really saw it, but we finally saw what I think this team is and will be.
3: And that's partly why I picked Syracuse to win the game last night, because I felt like they they had more urgency than the opponent. We saw UConn come to the table with more urgency down in New York than Syracuse had. For whatever reason, the following night, Oregon seemed to have more urgency. Syracuse didn't match that level of intensity, and last night... You know, aside from the first four or five minutes where Ohio State, you know, couldn't miss and got off to that fast start, Syracuse played with more urgency, I felt like, uh, than Ohio State. And that was to be expected. They didn't want to start 3-3 three and three and essentially, you know, be behind the eight ball with their non-conference schedule. They, If they lost last night, they could have gone through their entire non-conference schedule without a quality win. And They then probably would have. Yeah, yeah, right. Unless, you know, unless Buffalo or St. Bonaventure turned out to be really good this year. They That game meant so much to Syracuse. Not that it didn't mean anything to Ohio State, it obviously did. That game meant so much to Syracuse, and the, and the way they played, to me, is an encouraging sign.
2: And I know we talked about this uh, yesterday on the show, but this, this Ohio State team, are they top five in the country like that net ranking no. says? No. Are they top 20 in the country? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but you know what they definitely are? They're definitely top 75 in the country. Yeah, right. And so that's when, quadrant when you one come in at the end of the year and you're looking at the SU resume, they're a quadrant one win. They're, they are a, a quality opponent. They're they a, a team that you're going to look at at the end of the year and say, that was a resume-building win. That That's a win that you can point to. And say that's a good quality win.
3: I think you know that. I think you know the Oregon loss isn't going to hurt you. I think the no, one not. the one question you have about what's happened to date is is the UConn game a bad loss? And and that we don't know. You know, can Danny Hurley have the kind of impact that that they hope that he has there? And you know, turns that program around. Um, you know, will that at the end of the day be a bad loss? Or again, can it? You know, will UConn end up being a, a top you know one hundred team or a top seventy five team? Uh, it was a neutral site game, so that that wouldn't hurt you if they end up being good. I just I don't know if they're going to be good. They didn't look good
2: the can following they, night. Can they find a way to be a quadrant
3: two loss? Right, you'd be fine with that. Right, and that that's top 100 or top 125, something like because it was neutral site, so right. it, it changed. It was either, it's like top 125, I think. So as long as they stay respectable, then I think you're okay. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Dom and Syracuse kicking us off today on the show. Hey, Dom.
0: Hey guys, last year this team, because of a thin roster, was required to play a bit. You know, they, they were a defensive heavy, one dimensional on offense, and were forced to, uh, to be a grinded out kind of team. And going into the season, we thought they were going to be a bit more dynamic. Um, but that game last night, it seems like the offense is defaulting back to what happened last year. Grinded out, walking up the floor, taking forever to set up the offensive sets. If this team is going to do anything, um, and, and I'm hoping it's only because Frank Howard's just coming back and they're just getting their feet underneath him that it will speed up. But it, it, it's laborious watching that team go on offense sometimes. It, it, it's a real pain. Um, I, I think they have more in them to go quicker. Um, as for Greg Robinson, man, we shouldn't let him in the dome. He'll infect the place. You really should <laughs> get, get him out of there. Anyways, be good, guys.
2: I move let, the game. Can I can move the Syracuse Carolina I would, game? I would just like to say I think it's really unfair that Syracuse won't play UNC until 2023, when clearly Greg Robinson will have already He'll been fired. He'll not be there. <laughs> it's really unfair that that they won't get that game.
3: Oh, that's it's just that's funny. That's funny that somebody decided. Well, it's not somebody. One of his former employers decided to employ him again.
2: Let's bring him back. Yeah.
3: That, well, it worked out well for Mac Brown. Didn't work out well after they parted ways. But
2: it hasn't worked out well for for. Greg Robinson anywhere since they parted ways. True, like he's not even just here. He's been bad anywhere he's gone since he left. How with Mac
3: Brown though? Um, I I lost my train of thought. I was going Oh, he was talking the about the offense. He was LaVar talking about the offense. Tomorrow. Yes. Um, and that was one of my biggest concerns coming out of out of New York. I I mentioned that to you. You know, coming out of those games, Seth, that they reverted back, especially in that UConn game. They reverted back to. Who's going to make a play? Uh, here, Tyus, go do something. And we saw that so much last year, and we saw it quite a bit in New York, especially in the second half against UConn. It doesn't work well. While the the tempo maybe isn't there, the, the thing that I like more about this team than I did last year is that, and we saw it last night, more guys can make shots. Merrick Dolezal, was the key in my opinion to that first half. He was. He made back to back threes at a at a critical time. Like, you know, Ohio State had the lead and you know, they got off to that fast start and Syracuse was able to stem the tide, and then he hits back to back threes and all of a sudden it's a tie game. Um, you know, and, and he's playing for Brissett, who had three fouls, and the two centers were ineffective and slash in foul trouble. And Merrick came off the bench. He played he played the third most minutes last night of anyone behind Battle and Hughes. Battle yeah. and Hughes both played 40 minutes. Dolgier got 26. He played the second most minutes. Um, my point is, is that you know, last year it was Battle, Brissette, and Howard. And if those three guys didn't do something, you were in trouble. This year they've got Dolejai, who can make some plays. They've got Elijah Hughes, who was terrific last night, especially in the second half. And they've got Jalen Carey, who didn't play great, but... You know, as Jim Behan mentioned in his post-game press conference, stepped to the free-throw line, made four free-throws four free after not shooting the entire game.
2: Yeah, and look, let's be honest. Uh, what do you need out of Jalen Carey this year? Y- you know, like, in in theory, when Frank is fully healthy and playing more than 24 minutes a game, uh, you know, to, due to foul trouble and, and you know, ineffic- inefficiency and and probably health still at this point, uh, he's going to be playing more than 24 minutes a game. Like, you need Jalen Carey for, like, a solid 8 to 10 minutes. And you need him to go out there and... and Hold uh, hold his own and play well and and you know not not embarrass himself in those eight to ten minutes and I think that you take that and run like you you don't need all that much out of Jalen Carey this year maybe fit, maybe twelve minutes a game got to, fifteen to get tied. last night okay but is, can't you see that being you know. Yeah. His, his his number eight for Tyus eight for Frank and and here you go here's here's your fifteen sixteen 10, minutes 10 to 16 minutes yeah. yeah and and so you're not asking him for too much you know if he goes out and he puts up four four points three three assists and and one turnover in, in his. Twelve minutes. Like, you take that. You take it. Yep. <laughs> you know. You you don't need him to go score twenty points. You don't need him to to bust out and, and score eighteen. Like he's just got to hold his own. And, and so you mentioned Dolajai. Um. I, I mean. I think that him being an improved scorer is so much more important. And him being a a a more confident player feels so much more important. Uh. Because look at the centers this year. I, I mean, the centers look like they have regressed. The centers look like they've taken major steps back and i know there was foul trouble last night i know sadibe fouled out and pascal very nearly fouled out in which case i was curious to see what they were going to do but i i don't the these centers have taken a step back and last night they played a combined 30 minutes i, I mean i i don't know if you're going to be able to win games um you know moving forward if you're going to be able to really win games uh in the ACC if you don't get Quality minutes out of them. I'm not saying that they need to be great. I'm not saying that they need to, uh, you know, play so much and and score 20 points a game. But are, are you going to be able to win with them playing combined 30 minutes a game? I don't and know. And No points.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean,
2: they went no points, 10 rebounds in 30 minutes.
3: Pascal Chukwu came up with with one of the biggest plays of the game. That block with two minutes to go. That was yes. was borderline goaltending. I think it. It was it was inconclusive on the replay, in my opinion.
2: Um, you know the Ohio State. Given that, given that there was a whistle on everything else in the game, I was surprised there wasn't a whistle on that. Did you think it was goaltending? I don't know. It was awfully
3: close. It was close. Awfully close. Um, but in real time, you you couldn't really tell. And and even you know, I'll be honest with you. Even on the replay, I couldn't really tell whether it was goaltending or not. But that was one of the biggest plays of the game. Other than that, yes, the the centers are a concern, and and we can we can get into that as the show moves along. But back to Dom's point about the offense, yes. Um, they're not moving as quickly as maybe we thought and we had these illusions that they were, you know, gonna get up and down the court and up tempo and, and potentially, you know, press the other team and, and so on and so forth. Um we we haven't really seen that, but I do like the fact that they have more options. That it's not gonna be three on five, that they can put a team on the floor if you know, if Pascal and, and Brahma are out of the game and Merrick's playing the five, you could put a a team on the floor that all five guys can score. And that's yes. that's a yeah, credit to Merrick, and then you know you've got Hughes and Jalen Carey, and you've and got different. options this year. And last year they didn't have and that's options. That's
2: different from so- anything you could have said at any point last year. Right. You could you could not at any point have put five guys on the floor last year that you felt confident would would be able to score the ball, and and I think that that's a really big step forward. As, as far as the tempo goes, I thought they picked it up in the second half. Uh, you know, not not to the point where you, like you would have loved it, but. I think he. I think they picked it up a little bit. Like Seven
3: fast break points after halftime. None in the first well, half.
2: And there were times that they went and got in transition. Uh, but I, I also thought in the half court they were they were moving the ball more. Like like there was a there was an uptick in in ball movement. And um, you know is it is it where you want it? Probably not. But I, I don't think that this is ever going to be a team that runs up and down and scores eighty five points a game because they're just running up and down the court all game.
3: One of the biggest plays of the game. And there were a few of them. I, I pointed to Chuku's uh, block. There was certainly, you know, battles, drive, and, and floater. Uh, how about the play where it's a one-point game, and then Hughes runs the floor, gets the basket, draws the foul, then Caleb Wesson picks up his fourth foul on the other end. They come back down. They switch. Hughes is one-on-one with Wesson. He doesn't want to guard him because he doesn't want to pick up his fifth foul. He backs off, and Hughes bangs a three. I mean, that yeah. sequence Huge. started with a fast break basket by Elijah Hughes. So, to your point, that was that was maybe the, the biggest moment of the game. Uh, we do need to take our First time out. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Phone lines open the entire way at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.
0: This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg.
3: Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. Phone lines open the entire way today at 315-437-7644. I'm curious to hear what our listeners have to say about last night's game. Are they over what happened in New York? Are there still concerns that linger? I still have concerns. Um, And and I don't want to say all is forgiven with with what happened or all is forgotten what happened down in New York. But I I think we saw last night for the first time that that this is the team we were expecting to see. My biggest concern at this stage, I'm still concerned about the center position, Seth, um, as a, as I think you are as well, uh, the the production last night just wasn't there. You know, Pascal Chuku gets pulled what twenty eight seconds into the game, and then Barama goes in, and he lasted about forty five seconds before he's pulled out. Now they feel comfortable with Merrick, but do you feel comfortable with Merrick? You know, playing the five more than any other position. Like he's he's not a five. He's he's a forward, and it's it's great that he has that flexibility and that versatility to to be able to play the five. Um, you know, do you feel comfortable playing him? You know, thirty minutes at the center position—it's not ideal. Last night he played, I think, twenty-six minutes, um, the the third most minutes on the team. Some of it was out of necessity with the foul trouble with Brissett. Some of it was by design. He does some really good things, but I—I I, I was going to say, I think you want to get your centers going. I know you want to get your centers going. You don't—you don't want to have to have him be your reliable center. You want Pascal Chukwu and Brahma Sidibe to to give you more than they're giving you right now. I think that's that's probably my biggest concern for this team is what's going on at the five.
2: Yes, you you need them to play. You need them to give you quality minutes. You need them to uh, be big bodies in the middle of that zone. Uh, you know, Caleb Wesson didn't have a great game last night, and, and I think that that was a uh, a pretty good sign, except it wasn't against, you know, Syracuse centers. I know we talked about that as, as such a major key, and, and Jared Smalley, who we had on yesterday, said, hey, get him in foul trouble. Well, Syracuse got him in foul trouble uh 11 of his 13 points came from the free-throw line he wasn't doing his damage uh you know from the field he didn't shoot the ball well um and so in in some regards you you did a good job but it, it didn't feel like that was Pascal Abrama, or Barama or you know the defense like he got fouled a bunch and and you know I, I can't use that as a reflection that those guys played well I, I didn't think that they did I, I didn't think that they they were able to stay on the floor and obviously Jim Beheim didn't either um you know i it's it's never a good sign when you pull one guy 30 seconds after the game starts and then you pull the guy who you put in for him another 30 seconds after that and i don't I think he got night, 45 i think, think baroma got 45 I'm sorry. i apologize to Barama, uh, but it didn't get better from there <laughs> like the night didn't get better for them from that point um and that's a pretty low point to start at like you get the feeling that if if it were at all possible for Marek to have played thirty nine minutes at the center last night, he probably would have. But it's not realistic. Like you can't as good as I think that lineup is, and I think that the Syracuse right now is a significantly better team with Marek Dolajai playing the five than they are with Pascal Chuku or Barama Sidibe playing the five, it's not realistic to ask him to do it for thirty-five minutes a night. So you've got to get minutes from somebody else.
3: You know, we say that we, we should treat those two guys like one player. Uh, you combine their stats last night. Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe played 30 minutes. Uh they they had 10 rebounds, no points and 9 fouls. It's terrible. and one and one big block with 2 minutes to go.
2: That might have been goaltending.
3: That might have been goaltending, but that was that was a big play. Um they got to get more out of that position. Yes. And
2: you know Barama
3: in, in particular, I mean he played 12 minutes. He fouled out of the game in 12 minutes no yeah. points three rebounds
2: you can not do that you, and i know he's not
3: 100% healthy yet and again i'm not picking on him and just and i'm not picking on pascal chuku um you know they're they're both dealing with injuries um you know they're both a work in progress but they they just they need more out of that position i think that's that's probably my biggest concern at this point let's go back to the phone lines at 315-437-7644 dave in syracuse up next on the show hey dave
0: Hey, Steve. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with your points here. First of all, before I say that, I thought Pascal played really hard in the last few minutes of the game, made some big plays for us, uh, particularly on the defensive end. And uh, it, it was the best he played all game. He, you saw something come on for him where he ran hard and uh, he, he played extra hard, whereas he didn't come out that way, and that's why Bayheim pulled him quickly. But um, great point about the centers. That's what this team's missing right now. We don't get many easy baskets. And even Dan Dakich was making some good points last night. We, we have no one to get the ball into the paint to, to create any offense through that. And, and we don't run a lot. So we don't get a ton of easy baskets. I mean, we need to make 10 or 11 threes a game to get to 70 points. And that's been uh, missing for the Syracuse program for a while now. Um, I'd love to see them get another Rinze type, a bigger body that has that little jump hook shot to at least create that threat so it would open things up on the outside. And we definitely played better when we were getting into the lane and not just passing around the perimeter and creating offense from there. So I totally agree about the center position, and, and hopefully going forward if something happens where we can get a little bit out of that. Yeah, and I think
3: Merrick's development, and Dave, as always, appreciate the call. I think Merrick's development has been big for this team as well. The fact that, you know, they dared him to shoot those two threes, essentially. I mean, you know, he had the ball. There was a a defender there. The defender didn't really contest. It was just, okay, you're going to take that shot? And Merrick did it, and he made them both. And that's... Big. I mean, the fact that he could be a threat. And we saw just how big it was, you know, last year in the ACC tournament, then the NCAA tournament, when he was willing to look at the basket at the free throw line. It it changed things. It did. I mean, it helped open things up. And then you got guys, especially on this year's team, with Brissett and Hughes and Tyus Battle and Jalen Carey and Frank Howard, guys who can get to the basket. If if the opponent has to respect the three, that is going to Open things up for the for the drives, and at times last night, Ohio State was like, "Okay, you guys are three hundred fiftieth in the country in threes. Let's see what you can do." Right, and Syracuse made them pay. And then once they started making threes, you know, we saw battle at the end. You know, get to the basket, Brissett first possession of the second half. It was okay. You played five minutes of the first half. Let's get the ball to O'Shea. Go make a play. You know, strong drive gets a bucket. Tie game, just like that. Um, you know we know Frank can get to the basket. We saw in New York that Jalen Carey can get to the basket. if you can make the three, especially this team, if this team can make the three and and make the opponent respect them from the outside, it's gonna it's gonna open things up for the dribble drive.
2: Uh, it definitely is. uh one one thought on Frank because you brought him up. um Frank Howard since he has come back from injury, he went uh over from the field in his first game, all shots from beyond the three point arc. Um, and he went three for eight last night with six of his eight shots coming beyond the three-point arc. Um, I'm curious if that's something to watch moving forward. I'm, I'm curious to see when that changes, when when that kind of switches, when he feels more confident in himself to go and bang bodies and, and you know, w- oh, what if you land awkwardly on that ankle when you go up to that's the basket? That's a fair point. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see that because I, I think that when that changes, that changes this team again. I, I think that... Once you have Frank back at full strength and and full confidence level, that changes what this team does again.
3: And the good thing is, Seth, um, that you were able to get this one against Ohio State. Frank clearly doesn't look like he's the Frank that we're used to seeing. And, and you can't expect him to be. He missed nine weeks, and then he came back, played a little bit against Colgate. You know, he played essentially half the game last night. Now you've got Cornell, Northeastern, Georgetown, Old Dominion. you got all these games coming up at home for him to to do exactly that, work through the process of, of getting his conditioning back up and getting his confidence back up, going to the basket. And as you said, you know, banging bodies and maybe landing awkwardly. And, okay, oh, it feels all right now. Now I'm good. Jalen Carey talked about that, about going down to New York. And, you know, the first time that he – you know they landed on it. Funny. Okay, I'm fine. I you know I I, I can I can handle this. You know maybe Frank's got to go through that. So now you've got all these home games. You know against a, a couple of these. You know certainly Cornell and Northeastern against lesser opponents. Uh, you know Georgetown is a big game just because they're a brand name. But you know then Old Dominion after that. You've got four games against. Probably non-tournament teams that you can get right and get healthy before that big Buffalo. You know. And you need <laughs> Buffalo's to. a big game. I, it is. I, I still have. A, it is a big game, I'm, and I'm not making fun of Buffalo. I mean, but they're it's funny. But it's funny to think that you know Buffalo is a, is a key game on this non-conference schedule. But it is. You've got four games until then, all at home. In another three weeks before you play that game. So hopefully Frank's 100 percent by then. Uh, full lines remain open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We do have to take another timeout. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Do your job, Seth.
0: Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation.
2: Talking during me. the break. Polly, Polly walks me.
0: All I want is the entrance I deserve.
3: Do your job, Seth. Okay, that's better. Today's business brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. That other voice, that's Tommy Hogan. Tommy, what do you got for us? So I mentioned it in my update now.
1: Greg Robinson is the new defensive coordinator at North Carolina. He served as the co-defensive coordinator in 2004 under Mack Brown in Texas. He will now be getting his second opportunity, I guess you could say, under Mack Brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe... He is voluntarily getting a headset again. Crazy. Is it going to be plugged in?
2: Like, like, is this going to be like a Wade Phillips in Dallas situation? North Carolina fans hope not. Like, Wade Phillips, in, in his last couple of years in Dallas, I'm convinced. He was just wearing the headset for show, and, like, Jason Garrett was doing everything, and Wade Phillips was just, like, wandering the sidelines like a crazy old man. Like, is, is that going to be Greg Robinson, or, or is he actually going to be doing something?
3: At least he's not the head coach. Like at is, least,
2: that, is that the only solace like that spin
3: zone. North <laughs> well,
2: Carolina fans can take? At least he's not the head coach <laughs> of this team. Because He still, you're again, still runs
3: you, half the team. If you look at his resume, and I don't think he's a good football coach, Third team, I should but when you look at his resume, he has had some success as a defensive coordinator. Not since 2004. I know, it's been a long time. I'm just saying at least he's not a head coach. <laughs> is it, it like riding a bike? No, not uh, for no, him. No. Clearly. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he forgot some of the things that he was doing. You mentioned in your update that he used the quote, you know, he admitted things did not go great in Syracuse. Well,
1: that's what I said. That was my no, word. That was Tommy's wording. Oh, he goes, I thought you said he, he, goes, no, no, he said, I
3: said that. No,
2: he said to put things nicely, things oh. didn't go well. I, no, thought, that was me.
3: I thought you said Greg Robinson had said that. No. Okay, because I was going to say that is the understatement of the century. Yes, it was, but just for me.
1: Okay. I feel
2: like I really missed out by not covering those teams. Nah.
1: No, I feel like I did. <laughs> no. like I, would have enjoyed myself.
2: I would have enjoyed myself in some of those press
3: conferences. No. I mean, the press, the conferences, press conferences, I
2: would have enjoyed myself. Some of them were good,
3: um, he but read that a children's time was, book. it was not fun to cover that team, Seth. It was the same thing every week. You knew before the game was played exactly how it was going to go. It was brutal. No, you do not wish you were covering that team. This My, is this is a lot better. Sean, My fam- no, Sorry. this
2: is look. This is a lot better. Uh, but Sean Keeley tweeted some of the quotes, and I would have traded yeah. covering the Schaefer years for the Greg Robinson years. You have them in front of you. Yes,
3: go for it. G- uh, give me a couple just to remind me.
2: It can maybe snowball into something that can catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I come up here and tell you the things that I tell you, I like to believe I'm telling you straight up what I believe. <laughs>
1: He's like yogiisms. I
2: mean, we need to win just to win? He's got a point. I remember there was
3: one where he talked about losing. I don't know if that's on his list, but then we got to
2: feel it. He <laughs> talked about how they had to feel
3: like what it felt like to lose. We he need did to, a lot of that. We yeah, need they to, did.
2: We need to get started, but this is the start of it. It's not about it. It's not about it. It's about doing about it.
3: Yeah. Got it. And of course the little engine that could. His, my his my final. family don't, had football season tickets back conference. at
1: Archibald Stadium. They got rid of them during that tenure.
2: <laughs> don't try thirty to figure, years. Don't, they couldn't handle it anymore. Don't try to figure it out because it isn't figured out yet. That's really what I tell you. It is and it isn't. Yep. This doesn't make any sense. Like it would be so I wish I was sitting in these. Steve, would you just be
3: sitting in the in the press box laughing while this was going on? It, no, there was no laughter. It was it was hard. It was hard three, covering four? this team. It was hard covering this team. And I, I'll go back to his very first game when they lost to West Virginia, and I think the score was fifteen to seven. And there was so much hype coming in. It was the the deb- debut of Greg Robinson, Air, and so on and so forth. And I remember in the post game press conference, they had a bunch of delay game penalties, and he said it was harder. Getting the plays called and onto the field than we thought it was
2: going to be. Like he, it, it, something along those like he lines. Had never coached a game of football right.
3: before, that, that, and they, you know, they didn't, they didn't practice that. Like he had never been a head coach, obviously. And you know, in the, in the thick of it all, he had a hard time, you know, relaying the plays, and and you know, it was harder Did than he, he called, called that the you, Is, is that, that when
2: you knew? Is that when you knew? Yes. You're like you know I mean, what, that, this isn't going to work.
3: Not a good sign. When this the head coach after worry. the first game says, "You know what, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be." I, re- I remember that like it was yesterday. Anyway. Uh, no. Did he I mean, call the
1: defense? Like, He's it not was, calling plays. It was, I don't
3: understand that. Just everything. Getting subs onto the field. Because if wow. you remember, he... He the staff that he built around him, they were all guys who had never really done that position before. He took a tight ends coach, made him offensive coordinator. I mean, it was everybody was out of position. It was was a mismatch of yeah, it was it was a mismatch, right? It was everybody was one notch above where they were used to being, and everybody was filling roles that they had no idea what they were doing. Exactly. And so subs and calling plays and clock management, and it was he just summed it up by saying that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be.
2: Essentially. So I, no, it was not fun. I wish that I was. Team. I wish I was in the little engine that could. Press How conference. many
1: years did Greg Robinson set back the Syracuse football program? Yeah, Fifteen. Somebody, somebody 10? said
3: the other day five. It's more than it's that. More than I five. think so too. I would say a decade. I would. I, I'd say so. Like to now. I'd say yeah. that's fair. Yeah. To now. I'd say he is most responsible for. Oh my goodness! For yes. what happened over the last decade. Oh my goodness! Because yes. I know you know Coach P. It was kind of going in the wrong direction, and you know there were some fans who were. But upset, you could have gotten and, somebody who steadied the ship. Right. Um, like if Doug Marone had come in after P, things would have probably gone all right. Yeah, yeah, better. Greg Robinson set the program. I would say set him back a decade, roughly. Crazy.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I tend to agree. I do. Uh, like I said, I do wish I was in the little legend that could press conference.
3: You were there, Steve, in person. I was.
1: You yeah.
2: understand in person. I was there. It, what tell was you the what? reaction? Tell what you was what? the
3: reaction in the room? I tell you what. Um, there, yes, there was some like. It was it was awkward. I I don't know how else to explain it other than it was awkward because he. What happened? Because I, I don't know the full. I don't understand. He was the full story. He was a dead man walking. To you know, to use that cliche. Sure. Okay, you knew it was over, and it was there was a, an emotional element to it. He was obviously very emotional. You know, it, it, as you know the story, Tommy. He read the little engine they could. He wanted to leave us all with you know. I think I can was was like the last words out of his mouth and it was there was there was emotion to it he was emotional it was awkward i think for the media um it, it yeah it was it was just awkward i don't wow. i don't know how else to describe it
2: yeah uh, it, it watching it it seems Were like you guys it would just be. all
1: looking at each other like what is going on
3: yeah, yeah, I mean, there was some of that. There was some of like, is he reading us We, like, we right all now? know the story. There was some of that, but you also, you know, you cover this guy in, in as bad as he was. I, you feel bad for the guy too. Yeah. I mean, you did. You, it's you know, he's got a family. He's you know, sure. and he was he was out of a job.
2: Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. CPAs. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and preparation services. Visit gsacpas.com.
3: All right, we'll wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.